you ever seen someone do really well and wonder how on earth they managed it? I found myself asking that very question at times, and now I want to uncover the elements that go into creating success, influence, connection, and most importantly, happiness in people's lives. My friends, welcome to the High Performance Human Podcast. A warm welcome once again to the High Performance Human Podcast. It's Andy here, and this is a human that I certainly feel is a high-performance human being, uh, but in in many a measure, to be perfectly honest. It's someone that I've had a heck of a lot of respect for from a distance, and we're just starting to have our worlds come a little bit closer together now uh, as we both make our own way through our industry. Hannah Gill is one of the directors at the Property Collective in ACT. She is the director of property management more specifically. Um, But aside from that team, she has got some absolutely inspirational thoughts, feelings, processes, um, drives around all things culture, not just within business, but within herself and the way that she runs her life as well. And that's what this conversation is going to be revolving around. Aside from that, she is the mother of two, absolutely kills it in personal and in business life, doing a wonderful, wonderful job of every element. And I am absolutely proud as punch to have her on this little podcast of mine. Hannah, a very warm welcome to you. Welcome to the High Performance Human Podcast. How are things going? Things are going great, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Very humbled to be part of it. Now, a couple of things that we always start our podcast with, Hannah, just a little bit of housekeeping for you. We want to firstly find out who you are and what you're about, but also we're going to find out how you, what you feel uh, defines a high-performance human. First off, though, give us the Genesis story. Who is Hannah? Uh, what's, her, what's her story up to now, and how have you got to this point in your life? Thanks, Andy. Well, you kind of covered it already, but I guess, you know, in a little bit more detail, 14 years in the industry, started out as a property manager, spent a few years in BD and for the last sort of decade have been leading and managing teams, which um, absolutely love. Um, Big believer in innovation, contribution, collaboration, um, think it's the best industry to work in ever um, and, you know, just love love what we, can, what we can do, you know, both in our own businesses but also more broadly as an industry as you mentioned, mum to two beautiful boys, and um, pretty happy to be here today talking to you. Uh, and, and I think I think we need to also cover off the fact that you're also um, where did I read? You're also the uh, Telstra Businesswoman of the Year a couple not too long ago, a couple of years ago, which is a fairly decent accolade in itself, for goodness' sake. And you're also the president of the Real Estate Institute at ACT as well in Canberra. Now, um, you do a heck of a lot outside of your business as well. And you're a speaker, you do talks, you uh, have flown all over all over the country and beyond um, to talk about uh, various things that you like to focus on. Um, tell me, before I ask you about your definition of high performance, what, what, what drives you to do all the things outside of the business? Because you've got a fairly hefty business that you're running as well. Yeah, look, it's it's still a new business. We're very much in our infancy. We're not even three years in yet at the Property Collective. Um, but I think, you know, my my passion to contribute and give back to the industry um, existed before starting the Property Collective, and it's something that I really love doing. I love networking with people. I love learning. Um, if I can share something I've learned that helps someone else, it's it's kind of what drives me, you know, both from a 
within industry perspective, but also from a community perspective. And, and that's why the, the React role and my, my interest in the React role exists because I want to help influence and advocate for a better industry, which benefits our community and, and our broader, you know, broader country, I guess, if we if we get it right. Absolutely. Spot on there. Now, big question, big question, and FYI, no pressure. There's been some fairly, fairly home run hitting answers, I've got to say, with this one. Uh, but Hannah Gill, give us your definition of a high-performance human. Look, Andy, at the risk of disappointing you, I'm going to keep it very simple. And I think high performance is actually about consistency over intensity. And I say that because I think anyone can be a high performer for a short period of time. Anyone can go to the gym for a week or get up at 4am and drink the smoothie and do the yoga class. But I think uh, when you look at an extended period of time, I think consistency is key for high performance in whatever way that looks like in someone's world. In my world, that's varied over the years because my priorities have changed. You know, having kids and um, starting my own business, absolutely the priorities in my world have changed over the last 14 years. But no matter what role I've been in or what I've been working on, I've always taken a position of how can I be consistent rather than doing it really well for a short time and burning out. I really like that. There's been a there's there, I think probably uh, if there's if there's ever a common theme emerging um, in everybody's answers, consistency starting to pop up. But what I really like about yours is your your sort of slightly 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 deeper than surface level consistency over intensity. I think that's a very very easy way of putting it putting it because you're absolutely spot on anybody can be a flash in the pan um but and from a high performance point of view ultimately a short-term success isn't going to give you long-term happiness and and we always discuss here on the, on the podcast uh there being you know my opinion four elements to a high performance human which is success influence connection and happiness and and if you just Focus way too much on those flashes of success. The other three will fall uh, fairly quickly uh, if you're not careful. So I really like that. It's consistency over intensity. Now, Hannah, I think when it comes to consistency, you're very much the queen thereof around your conversations and your thought processes and your ethos around uh, the whole topic of culture. Now, culture isn't something that we've talked about a heck of a lot on the podcast up to this point in time. Um, and I've kind of done that on purpose because I've been waiting for you. Um, and, and the reason why I've been waiting for you specifically is some of the uh, conversations and some of the, the talks and, and some of the material that you've been putting out there around your ethos and your theories around culture and, and the importance of it really have been catching my attention quite significantly. Now, culture for me is an overused and overabused word. And I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around what culture is, both as like within yourself, your own personal internal culture, uh, but also for the culture of that around you, whether it's your business, your sports team, your community group, whatever the case may be. Um, I want to ask you before I really dig into your theories around all of this, what's your definition of culture? For me, the most simple way to probably put it is defining and operationalizing for someone within within any team or a community group, as you mentioned, what the expectation is for how it looks, sounds, and feels to be a high performer within that environment culturally. 
So if if we don't tell someone what it looks, sounds, and feels like, how can they succeed? We've yeah. never told them. We never told them what's expected, what's tolerated, what's not tolerated. So my definition of culture within teams is being able to identify and articulate that really clearly to set our people up to succeed. Now, what do you feel as you because obviously something something or a period of time or something must have lit a fire under your backside to really make you go ham on this, right? And you and and I'm saying that in a completely positive way because I I do genuinely feel that the material that you put out there is it's is absolutely nail on head stuff. Um, but was there a time in your whether it's your personal life or your career that really made you hit made you hit a wall with this or go you know what this needs to be addressed absolutely you know I think so often uh, when culture in an environment is good we don't think about it because it's mm. good and mm. so to to what you alluded to um my my focus and my interest in culture really came from a period in in a previous business world where it wasn't good in fact, it was really, really bad. Um, you know, there was there was a multitude of challenges that we faced at the time around resourcing and budgets and um, churn of people in a team. It was a team of over fifty, and so I think you know having having that those challenges and those pressures, a lot of those are out of our control. So I looked at the situation. I thought, what is in our control? Mm. And what was in control? Our control was how we behaved. Mm. how we treated one another, how we treated our clients, how we contributed to our community. And it got me thinking, well, I've never told my team what I expect of them in that space. I've told them what their KPIs are. I've told them what their uniform policy is. I've told them all the the measurable stuff, but we've never discussed what's acceptable or what's not. Mm. And so in that time of challenge and churn and friction, um, it really got me thinking about well, what what team am I proud to want to lead, and what should they expect of me as the leader? And that's kind of where the culture playbook came from. And and this culture playbook team, by the way, is something that you need to get a hold of. So I'd highly recommend that you either reach out to Hannah on her Instagram or or something along those lines. We'll put all the handles that you need to that you need to have uh, to to catch up with Hannah and to really connect with her in the show notes so make sure you have a look at the show notes and you'll and you'll see all the bits and bobs there to click on um and in this culture handbook it's really culture playbook sorry it's really really an impressive it's an impressive thing it really is it's very very cool very simple and i think i love the word playbook i love the word playbook i think that is a really cool way of um not humanizing it, not simplifying it, but um, it's kind of like a mix of those two, maybe gamifying it to a degree as well. Um, I think culture, and, and the, the thing that the thing that I've always said about culture is, um, if 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 business, the reason why businesses misconceive what it's about is because there is no culture line on the PL, right? It's not it's, it, inherently, it's not overly quantifiable directly, right? You can't say, right, the culture cost us or made us X amount of dollars. And that's unfortunately where we hit a roadblock mentally for a lot of business owners because um, you know, they are governed by their, their figures, right? Um and it's always something that's fascinating me because if we were to quantify it, then there'd be some seriously shocked faces, particularly from a recruitment retention point of view. If if anybody was to work out 
the dollar amount that it costs per recruit, they would fall off their chair and all of a sudden it become really important, right? This well, Andy, I can, I can tell you that because of the part of the exercise when I when I did this initially and, again, recently before I, I spoke about it at an event, I did the numbers. Right. Because I think when you're talking to leaders or business owners, have not been able to quantify something is, is harder to make it tangible, right? Yeah, so, Absolutely. yeah, so if we look at it from a numbers perspective, from a bottom line perspective, from what I could see pre, pre-COVID pre when I initially, initially did the culture playbook, the cost in my business when a team member left, the direct cost was $28,000, not Jeez. including recruiters. Yeah. And we also know that in property management, if a property manager leaves a business, on average in the next 12 months, we could lose up to 60 properties. So if you're talking numbers, if that's not enough to get you focused on culture and retention and engagement with our people, then I don't know what is. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I really, really couldn't. And 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 the same could be said on the sales side. You know, people, I know that um, a lot of people seem to think that on the sales side, it's it's very, it's tremendously dollar orientated and, and what have you. But I can tell you now, um, an agent will it will take a hell of a lot more dollars for them to leave if they're in a sticky culture um you know and i define a sticky culture as one that where they just find it very very difficult to even entertain uh going anywhere else right and the same could be said for pms i think uh within the real estate space team for those of you that aren't in the industry um the 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 annual salaries of property managers has risen dramatically uh over the last few years and and to, to a larger extent, absolutely, they bloody well should have, right? Um, but it's getting to us. It's getting to a tipping point now, where whereby um, if a culture isn't there, then there is always going to be someone that is going to offer more money to these people. Um, and 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 it's for for a lot of directors, it's becoming almost intangible. Uh, it's becoming it's just becoming not profitable, not workable from a business point of view. Um, but having said that, though, and I think this is, I, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here, Hannah, for, for in a role as serious and as, and, as, and as hectic and as intense as a property manager role is, safety, security, and certainty in their role would equate to I've known, I know property managers that have not backed 20, 30 G's extra grand, extra a year because of how safe they feel in their role. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it just, and it just, it's just crazy to think that there, there is still that battle to, to understand how much culture can cost or make you, uh, in business. Right. Now, I wanted to ask you, um, with regards to this culture playbook and in regards to your, um, your, your evolving ethos around culture. How often do you personally feel that you come across something where you go, oh shit, we need to tweak that? All thing, all because all humans act, act differently, right? And if we're trying to create a high performance culture, part of that culture would possibly would need to have a degree of agility to be able to incorporate different personalities and different looks and feels and different motivations and whatnot, right? So you could do your heading forever chopping and changing this thing. Um, but like how, when do you, when, when have you come across, or can you give us a couple of instances where you've come across a situation or something where you've gone, Oh shit, that that's, that's a curveball. That's a, that's a curveball that would, that, that requires looking at. Yeah. Look, that's, um, that's a really great question. And it's one that I was, I guess, I guess I'll struggle to answer to some degree because I think the thing about a culture playbook is that it can't cover everything. Yep. Just it covers what's most important 
to the team mm. and, and it identifies a path forward and a, and a level of alignment. So there'll be things that we haven't necessarily documented directly in the culture playbook, but there'll still be themes that redirect us when we start to go off course. Mm. And so that might be things, you know, like around um, communication and opportunities to when we're talking to a client or to a team member to always find ways to try to add value for every, mm-hmm. every touch point that we have. So we don't need to say when you have this call, do X, Y, Z, but we need to say communicate with a value-adding mindset at every opportunity. Mm. So it's not about chopping and changing it constantly, but I guess it is about recognising that every time someone joins or leaves a business or a team, we're going to go through that four-stage process of the storming, the norming, the forming, till we get to the forming. Mm. Culture playbook, I guess, is the the lighthouse that keeps us steady on our course when those changes are happening with the with the business. Yeah, that's fair. And I think I think one thing that you sort of you, you flirted with, you touched on uh, in that answer just there was the need for give and take on both sides of the coin. Ultimately, like you aren't going to please all eight billion people, right? Because um, otherwise, your ship would be going in all sorts of different directions, and it'd just be ridiculous. There has to be a collective buy-in, right? There has to be a buy-in to that culture from the other side as well. And I think um, I think a lot of business owners, in particular need to understand that yes you are there you know look it has become a service to the people as opposed to the people serving them but at the same time there has to be a degree of give and take on both sides of the coin and 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 i think a mutual understanding around what that direction is that you know the the, the true north of the organization um i think it's absolutely critical now in those you know when it when it comes to the recruitment process uh, obviously the playbook that you've put together will actually help you to identify the right talent for the organization a lot easier right so um would you would you think that um you might it might be a case of when you hire someone that perhaps that all of a sudden works out isn't the right fit for the organization are they the real good learning points for you as a leader when you are forming this team yeah that's absolutely and i think I, I try to recruit, you know, recruit slowly and recruit thoroughly and get the right people. But sometimes I've got it wrong. I've got it really wrong, you know. Mm. And I, in our culture playbook, we reference Jack Welsh, the four quadrants for types of performers in teams. Mm-hmm. So you've got the um, lives by the values and delivers results versus, you know, the different boxes where they don't. And I think as a team, and I guess one step back, it's not culture playbook is not about me versus a team or me. Yeah and the, I'm the boss and they're the team, it's all of us agreeing to it. So mm. we're all on the same page. No one's exempt because mm. of the culture of the team, right? So when someone's straying from delivers results and lives by the values into a box where they're not delivering or not living by the values or both, it's a really simple way to say, hey, Andy, you've strayed from box one to box two. What's going on in your world? Do we need, need to have a chat? Because mm. that's not what we stand for. So it takes away this whole personal element of you're not doing your job or you didn't do this or I don't agree with your opinion because it's something we've all agreed to. Yeah. So it just becomes a conversation that's, hey, we agreed to this. Why why aren't we doing it? Let's get on the same page. Or if we can't get on the same page, let's it, let's accept that and move on in a really respectful way, which yeah. is also okay. Absolutely. I, I, I And I think... Yeah, you're spot on. I think it needs to be a 360 degree accountability piece, right? It cannot be a, a an animal farm situation where all are equal, but some are more equal than others type thing. We can't be having that. Um, otherwise, the culture is completely falsified. And I think 
especially in real estate. But I, I, you know, I think you could probably, I think you could probably put this across most uh, organizations in most industries. There's always that sense of hierarchy um, that leads to a disconnect in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and whether it's ego, um, whether it's a sense of entitlement, justified or not, you know, I, I can understand why. Uh, a business leader that's been leading their business or building their business for 25, 30 years feels a, feels a, like they have a right to, to have a slightly easier life as opposed to the people on the front line. Um, but the, the inherent elements of a culture that hold everybody accountable are so critical. If you do want that team to be in a high performance, in a, in a state of high performance, more often than not, it's not going to happen every, all the time, but more often than not. And like you said, consistency over intensity and um, bringing it back to your, your, your um, definition. I think lots of people tend to think that a, a trip to the bowling alley or or something along those lines uh, <laughs> equates to a good culture, right? Uh, when when ultimately that flash in the pan does not does not lead to a consistent happiness level uh, for you or your players um, uh, in in your organization, right? Now, I want to know what culture means to you, Hannah internally like within yourself um as a person um i know like we've talked we talk about business ownership and leadership and and working within teams but all of these things that you will have learned over the time in your business leadership roles and 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 working in teams and whatever they would have absolutely influenced your life personally right because you are a high performance human like i said in 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 my through through my lenses um in a number of respects the way that you carry yourself the way that you hold yourself accountable the way that you uh present yourself both online in person the way you articulate yourself for me is it's it's elite it's elite stuff um there would have been times though when you've been really sort of focusing on this culture piece within your business and then perhaps realize that one or two elements of your personal life were perhaps missing a piece or two right yeah yeah, absolutely. Have you got any examples of that? Look, I think that's just a constant battle of people who want to want to grow and wants to want to continue to challenge themselves, right? It's finding the balance between, well, just getting the balance right. You know, I, I really struggle. Like I really struggle to do the right things around exercise because I put work and I put family first, you know. So yeah. I tend to put my most important things after those two things, rightly or wrongly. Mm. Uh, but I think at different times in my life, those priorities have changed. Mm. Uh, I think when it, when we talk about internally, it's just coming back to really being clear in what I stand for. Um, and when I when I do do culture playbook coaching or presenting with teams, there's ten reflection questions that we actually run through because I think if we don't sit down and stop and go, what do I stand for? What what is my legacy? What do I want to contribute? What do I want to leave behind? It's really hard to know what direction we then go on because mm. it's like it's like trying to climb a corporate ladder if you don't know what direction you're going on the ladder how do you get there Mm. and I think um as people within teams even if you're not a a leader or a manager um if you might be brand new to the industry knowing what you stand for as a person is really critical to set you on the right path because when you do have those periods in your life that could be challenging or you derail a bit you can always come back to the things that are most important to you Mm. if, if you genuinely mean them and believe in them yeah, no, that that makes sense. So tell me, what does what does Hannah Gill stand for? I mean, I've got a few kind of mantras that I I live by, and I like to 
I like to really kind of reflect on and it forms part of, you know, I like to look at things holistically. So I don't I don't have me at work and me at home. I, I am me all the time. Mm. Uh, I think some of the key things that have really helped me find my way, especially in challenging times, is is remembering to what I mentioned earlier, consistency over intensity. Um, you know, I'm very, very big on um, my own values and living with integrity. And so whenever I make a decision or whenever I face conflict, I, I want to do that with complete integrity and complete compassion for the situation. Um, and sometimes that's hard because you do have to put ego aside or you can't react and say the things you want to say to get a one-up on someone. But if I really want to get the best out of the people in my business and my family and my community, you kind of have to sometimes put yourself second and swallow your pride to get the best outcome for someone. And I think, you know, younger me really struggled with that. You know, you want to be right. You want to have the last say. Mm -hmm. Um, And over the years I've kind of learned that um, that's not always the best outcome. And if I can just listen and and seek to understand, then I'm probably going to get a better outcome anyway, even if I didn't get to say really what I wanted to sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Rita, Real Estate Training Australia. Shane and the team genuinely care for the success of all of their students, not only providing them with the qualifications to enter the industry, but the skills in order to thrive. With 24-hour online support, access to one-on-one training sessions, lifetime access to industry mentors and support, as well as free job-ready training programs for anybody that gets their qualifications through their portal. They're a tremendous outfit, and they want to make sure that everybody that comes into the industry stays in the industry. For more information, make sure you head to their website, www.reta.edu.au. Now, um, I, one thing that's that's sort of stuck out to me uh, in the conversation so far has been your understanding or your decisions to put yourself behind the team from a priority point of view or yourself behind the family from a priority point of view. And there's a slight contradiction there with respect to a few other people's answers around high-performance humans, right, around high-performing humans, because... Obviously, you know, the, the the whole notion of the whole airplane analogy of, you know, put your own put your own mask on before you put someone else's on, right? If you want to be truly helpful. And you mentioned there a couple of things around things, you know, for example, your um uh, your willingness to perhaps put your own physical health on the back burner in order to satisfy those around you to a greater extent now it's the it kind of it's this big debate right you've got the you know you've got the the books from the likes of simon sinek you know the whole leaders eat last and all that sort of stuff that go in direct conflict with um common society's version of high performance Mm -hmm. but just playing devil's advocate for a second if you aren't if you aren't paying attention to your own physical health and well-being have you ever have you ever sort of suffered from burnout have you ever hit the wall and gone and like full monged out because I mean you know being I mean aside from running a business and 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 really leading a leading a, a space an industry uh, or being a leader in the industry around something as important as culture and having two kids um and fur babies and all the rest of it you'd burn out at some point surely 
Yeah, and I think, you know, to, when you say a simple part is, you know, you put your health on the back burner, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's ever to that extreme. Mm. I'd say at times in your life, depending on what the priorities are, I've had to make sacrifices, mm. but I'm always happy to make them because I know what my priorities are and right. I stay true to that. So I don't go to the gym every day right now in my life. I, I used to play team sport, a lot of team sport, but when we had the kids, you know, it's harder to train twice a week and take a day away, <laughs> all that stuff. So it's Nappies just- Nappies and baths take yeah. over very, very quickly, right? Yeah, right. So it's not saying I don't, I don't put time for myself, but what that looks like has evolved. So for me now, what that self-care is, isn't going and playing team sport for six hours a week. It's, you know, getting a really good night's sleep, eating well, um, doing things that fill my cup, like listening to music or- you know, going for a surf or getting a massage. So it's just changing your priorities and, and making it fit within what the key priorities are. It's not saying something doesn't matter. It's just saying right now these other things are more important, but how do you find balance? Because it can't be only one thing, but sometimes something has to take a back seat. I don't know anyone who can have everything a front seat. <laughs> In fairness. And, and you know, and, and that's a really interesting point um, because one thing that I, so I've been listening to all sorts of athletes and, and what society would deem as a high performance person, right? Which is generally a gold medal winning athlete or, or a, something sports, high performance sports related or some crazy mind of some description. And the one, one of the big commonalities amongst what, amongst the stereotype of high performance, one of the big commonalities is they take sacrifice, personal sacrifice, to an absolute extreme, uh, and and it generally ends up in divorce, um, mental breakdowns. Um, it, it generally ends in loneliness uh, in a, in a number of in a number of respects, and this really is the crux of one of the re- it's one of the big reasons why I put this podcast together. And I love. What you've said there, which I think it really did hit the target, is filling one's cup and how that looks and how that feels and, and what represents filling one's cup. I think I, I, I like how you said, look, there's got to be a few different ways that you've got available to be able to fill that cup um, or a few different ways of filling the cup in the first place. Um I know you could call it maturity. You could call it life experience, whatever the case may be. But when, in, when, in, when, uh, when, uh, what are the alarm bells for you for when, when it comes to that personal cup, that, that cup that needs to be filled? Like, what are the alarm bells for you? Like, because you do have a very strong handle on things from the outside looking in. I mean, you know, I'm sure your partner might disagree at various points, but, um, but, um, but, um, in the, from a public person perception, my perception of you, you seem to have a real strong handle on everything, but, when has or when do you know that the alarm bells are ringing and then what are the things that you do to really get that focus back on filling that cup? Yeah, I think I think it comes back to the earlier comment just about being really clear on what is important to me. And I think from an alarm bell perspective, when I start to not be present with my children of an evening because I'm trying to look at my emails or I'm thinking mm. about work, that to me is like, hang on, like take it back a step. The, this is the most important part of my world, my family. And if I can't give them, you know, the hour between work finishing and then being bedtime, mm. that that's kind of like the real, the real kind of measure for me. 
So mm. I know in those scenarios, and and my partner is very good at keeping me accountable to this. <laughs> But, you know, going, well, well, shit, like life's short. Like why am I worrying about emails right now when my two beautiful children are sitting in front of me? And that's hard. Like, and I know that sounds a terrible thing to say, but when you're when you're in it and you've had a really busy day and it's really stressful, something's gone wrong, whatever's happened, to walk in the door and be present for them, that can sometimes be a real challenge. But for me, that's the most important thing and it's something that I'm really trying to keep working on and being better at because they're not going to be little forever mm. and I don't want to waste that time away. So mm. that's probably my my measure. If I'm not present and I'm not really engaged with the boys, then I know there's a problem. It's a really good little barometer and I think uh, the critical piece is understanding when you are present or when you are not present. And, and sometimes it does take an accountability partner, whether it is your partner or someone else or a direct co-director at work, or whatever it is. I think that we need to do our best. If we're going to be truly high-performing humans in a consistent way, we need to make sure that our ego can stay in check to a point where if we are not present somewhere or doing something or we're not fully focused on the thing that we are doing, then there is an accountability partner because sometimes when you, when you're in it, you don't know, do you? Like you, you, a lot of the time you don't know. Yeah. And, and you know, that case of just coming home from work after a really tough day, it's really hard to slow that brain down to the point where you can stay present because you have still got residual thoughts and processing and stuff going on in your head, right? Res- residual energies and, and chemicals from whatever reactions you've had to exude or, or, or exert. So um, in when it comes to those things, so when you find that or when your partner uh, rings the bell and, and says, right, that's it, Hannah, you're not present. You need to get your shit together. Um, what are, what would be the steps that you put in place? Do you, is it a case of, do you have a personal sort of framework where you uh, talk to people, where you, you use that as a sign to write, I need to take a break and take a few days off. Like how, how do you rectify that when you find that you are, your eyes are in your eyes and mind is, are being diverted? Yeah, like probably two parts to that. I think, um, resetting and, and reprioritizing is really important. So, you know, talking, my business partner is great as well from an accountability perspective. We will often have robust conversation around focus and priority. Such a politically correct way of set a robust conversation. No, like we do. It's awesome. (laughs) Like it really keeps me accountable and I love it because in previous worlds I've never had that. I've just kind of had to wing it. And so at home I've got the accountability. At work I've got the accountability. That helps me. I like having someone else's perspective because sometimes you get so, you know, focused on your own world. Um, And I think that's a really powerful thing and something I'm really appreciative to have. Mm. Um, But it's also knowing at times you're going to have to put the extra work in or you're going to have to take the extra days off to be with the kids or whatever it might be and also not beating yourself up when those priorities do have to shift unexpectedly. Great point. Because that's part of life, right? So mm. there'll be nights where I do have to work and that's just the reality. Yeah. And I can't, I'm not going to beat myself up about that because I know that if I'm conscious of it and I'm prioritizing the things that are most important, I'll only do that when I really, really have to. Yeah. I love that. Uh, that is a really, really good way of um, explaining um life expanding explaining the balance of life i was having a conversation in one of the previous podcasts and we talked about how work-life balance is a fallacy because you know it's pitting work against life um but what i i just really loved your the way that you articulated that 
understanding that I'm not going to beat myself up because I have a true north. It is within the interests of both myself and my loved ones that at this point in time, I need to be here. Yeah. Um, and it is for the betterment of myself and those around me. And I'm not going to make excuses and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Right. Um, that's something that I've, I know I've fell foul of is, is through uh, that sense of guilt. I've either missed out on things or um, I've not given whatever I'm doing. It's full, it's full due courtesy and full due attention because you do feel bad for whatever reason, you know, being a dad, like from a dad's perspective, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's sometimes so incredibly challenging because you are, you know, there is that expectation from a male alpha, whatever it is, nonsensical point of view, right? It's a complete bollocks anyway, but anyway, that's another topic. Um, but just that sense of, um, like appropriate but appropriation towards right no i'm doing this because that's like that's what you know but there's a pressure sometimes that's put on uh lads i won't say lads especially but leaders shall we say especially that they have to be somewhere at a certain time when what you've said there is look if i need to switch off i'll switch off if i need to put my kids i'm gonna put my kids as a priority and i'm not gonna make excuses for it yeah and i think we need to apply because but generally speaking only really happens when it comes to kids but for those people that haven't got kids right or don't have kids all the time if they're separated or whatever you need to have that you need to try and bring that mentality to all elements of your life because otherwise it is going to be out of kilter right um now well, in term, I don't want to. I don't want to have you for too. I don't want to hold you for too much longer, but I, because I know how incredibly busy you are. Um, one thing that stood out to me so far about this conversation is you've got uh, the four elements that I'm looking at. I'm always, I always see and feel, I guess, sort of gravitate towards one over another, right? And and I feel that because we haven't even talked about your success and the and the success that you've had up to this stage, right? We've mentioned that your awards and accolades and and so on and so forth, but realistically a lot of the conversations we've had are around maintaining a level of happiness for you and those around you right yeah. um now you do mention that you do like doing your talks and, and workshops around culture and, and whatnot and 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 you like and you enjoy that what is it about that element of your work that you really enjoy the most i mean to be honest i really don't like public speaking it terrifies me and i get Nervous every time. Thank you. But yeah, very much. (laughs) I get like the neck rash and the shakes, just terrible. But that's actually why I keep doing it because it does make me feel so challenged. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, if we don't feel challenged in the things we do, we're probably on the wrong track. Yep. Um, So I love feeling that challenge and that, and that pressure to perform essentially. Mm. And every time I do that, I learn something about myself and I learn how I can improve. So I like that element of it. Um, but I think I think what I like about it beyond my own learning and challenges is that um, I've always been really fortunate over the years to have people look out for me and have my back and take the time to support me. Mm. And I think if I can, you know, if I can impact just one person and change their outlook and help them for the better, then I feel like I'm paying that forward. And that's really important to me because I've I've been afforded so many opportunities and had people do that for me. Mm. So I just really want to pay it forward and give back. And I also think as an industry, 
the better we can be as an industry, the easier our lives all are. Mm-hmm. So I can play even a small part in helping businesses or individuals evolve and grow and feel more confident and more successful in whatever whatever area they're in, the industry actually benefits and we all benefit. And I think if there's lots of us doing that, and there are now, which is phenomenal, we've got so many great coaches and business leaders who are happy to share and collaborate, we're all getting better. And that's yeah. pretty Absolutely. I yeah, I love I love that. And I think contribution, I think, is something that um doesn't get spoken about enough. I think when we when we do when we do talk about this high performance topic, um contribution is something that not many people iterate or they, they don't really utter the words contribution or contributing towards something that's not themselves or their team or whatnot right but i think if you look at if you look at any of the leaders in whatever field and um, contribution is very much at the forefront of anything that they do they are always genuinely looking to give back to a game that's provided for them in one way or another and um, and i think the the self-satisfaction of that um, can't be understated as well. The sense of self, the sense of fulfillment that you are providing to a game that's provided for you, I think, um, it's all very cyclical in its in its uh, positive nature, right? I think you give to them, and it gives back to you again, and it's very it's very very cyclical in that respect. Now, one last question before I let you go. Um, moving forward, I know our crystal balls broke a little while ago, but. Moving forward, when we think about um, people's concern over how culture is going to be affected by things like technology, uh, artificial intelligence, those sorts of things, and people's self-worth is coming into question as a result of a lot of those things, how do you see your culture playbook evolving with all of that becoming more and more prominent in both work and life? Look, I think... The cool thing about our industry is it's always going to be people first. The technology, the innovations, all the stuff that's coming in and has already come in, that's not to replace us. I don't believe that's ever going to be to replace people because you can't replace relationships. Mm -hmm. The problem we have as an industry, and I'm speaking generally, is we typically don't do relationships very well. Mm -hmm. And that's why all this fear, it's fear-driven about the future and what that holds, it's driven by fear because we know that it, we've got those shortcomings. Yeah, fair. So I think really in the next three, one, three, five, ten years, if all we focus on is how we can be better at relationships, then our industry, again, will continue to evolve and technology just supports us to deliver those relationships. Yep, I like that. I like that. And and. <sighs> Yeah, you you kind of you you very you you've sort of opened the opened the the door to a conversation there around what industry, what service industries, not just real estate, but what service industries focus on and what they should be focusing on. Um, it, it's tremendously understandable in any service industry that to focus on transactions, to focus on the deals, to focus on the the the, the dollar productive activity that's that's inherently focused on the dollars. Um, but it's that it's that focus that's going to end up cutting people's careers short, I think, in people's businesses short. And it's interesting how everybody's focusing on the technology, but it's almost making everything come back full circle from a human point of view. Yeah. Right. It's almost making it's coming for it's coming full circle in the sense of uh, technology is removing 
the importance for humans to do things that don't involve other humans. And it's kind of giving us the only thing that we've got left to do, or the only thing that is we're going to have left to do is to, is actually be with other human beings. And, and I think, tell me tell me your two cents on this i do feel that um the whole thing of self and self-importance and self uh self uh improvement and self-development blah 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 um it's created a whole load of isolated people and i think what technology is going to do for anybody that does end up losing their job is because they've lost the various connections that 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 do make them the human beings that they are. Um, so it's a wonderful little uh, sort of spotlight on uh, people's um, lack of desire or, or lack of attention placed on maintaining those connections. It's like those letter writ- letter writing relationships, right? Um, you know, those romantic romanticized relationships that uh, have almost become a novelty these days. Whether it, I'm not talking about loved ones or, you know, old old school Tinder, whatever it was back in Shakespearean <laughs> days, right? Uh, I'm talking about I'm talking about relationships with friends, with family, with connections, with colleagues with um customers it is becoming a romanticized idea right that you can build a whole business based on relationships but the reality is that technology is exposing us like what you just said for the inadequacies that we have in the thing that makes us inherently human mm-hmm. i love it i love it that's a great that's a great great point to, to end on um hannah i have got no doubt and I say I've got no doubt, that's under the presumption that you want to come back, that I will have you back on this show more than once because there are a whole bunch of things that I would love to unpack with you. I knew that I wanted to keep it just the culture, just for this just for this one, because of the fact that of the culture playbook that you've been incredible with uh, the broadcasting of and, and the articulation of. Um, but there's so many other things that I'd love to get your two cents on. So thank you so much for, for your first uh, throw into the High Performance Human podcast. I very much appreciate it. And I'm absolutely certain there's a whole bunch of people that are listening to this that are going to appreciate it too. Now, team, make sure... Make damn sure your life will be better if you follow this human. Okay. So make sure you look in the show notes, click on our Instagram or whichever links that you, whichever links that you prefer and make sure that you follow her and make sure that you make sure that you have a look at this, uh, this, this culture playbook because it's going to make your life, not just your business, it's going to make your life a little bit better. In my opinion, Hannah, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. No, thank you, Andy. It was my honor to be involved and I would love to come back on. Yes, you hear that, guys? It's on record. She's coming back. Uh, Now, team, make sure you stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy, look after yourselves and each other, and we'll look forward to speaking to you again next time on the High Performance Human Podcast. Take care, team. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the High Performance Human. Hopefully, we've given you enough value to justify the time that you've given us, and we've got you that much closer to becoming your version of a high performance human. If you want to have any questions answered, then please feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram at Andy Reed Coaching, or alternatively, shoot me an email, Andy at AndyReed.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thank you so much for joining us once again. And I really can't wait to hopefully bring you some more value in the next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy. Most importantly, stay happy.